You're listening to League Podcast Special Edition, our second interview with Flint Dilly, writer of Transformers, G.I. Joe, Inhumanoids, Visionaries, pretty much anything you watched as a kid if you lived in the 80s. This guy had a hand in it, and this is our second time having him on. He's so gracious and so nice. By the way, I'm Matt Durson. Sorry. And by the way, I'm John Hunt, and I second everything Matt just said about Flint Dilly. <laughs> he's a, a wonderful yeah. man. He's very like fun to talk to. He's very easygoing. He, he, his memory is astounding of a lot of the things. This is 35 years ago, yeah. which is actually why we wanted to have him on. Thank you, John, for pointing out the, yeah, the Five Faces of Darkness, which was the series right after Transformers the movie. Yes, the continuation. Like, yeah, a month later, basically. Yeah. Every September, uh, I break out the Five Faces of Darkness. And really? Watch it. I do. Wow. I like it was a thing for me. I don't it was just the time in my life at that point that I was like just happy and that always reminds me of being happy. Unlike now where <laughs> nothing makes me happy. Yeah, I have very fond memories of it as well. I don't break it out every September or maybe I will now. I don't. I even I even found out what time they aired it on our local channel. And I would watch it at that time. I would break it into the five days, Monday through Friday, and watch it at four o'clock or whatever. Wow. So, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little crazy. No, no, no. I've been working insane. by myself for so many years that, you know. <laughs> but that's actually kind of cool. It kind of harkens me back to a time of uh, like Transformers was on in the, in the afternoon after school. And I had CCD on Mondays, and I always missed the Monday oh, one. That's rough. You know? yeah. But, uh, no, because this was one of those things I remember specifically thinking about. I can't, I couldn't wait for new Transformers episodes, and then when it started on as a miniseries, I couldn't wait to find out what happened the next day. And that's, mm. I don't, I don't get excited about much anymore. So, being able to relive that kind of feeling is just, uh, it's special to me. So, thank you, Flint. And here's the interview. Here's the interview. Thanks for listening. Thanks to you. <laughs> So thank you first for coming back a second time on our uh, illustrious yeah. podcast. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. We've done this before. <laughs> yeah, we did. And it was it was so much fun. We had to get you back. And thank you for agreeing. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, we yeah. Had specific, so what are we talking about today? We had a specific idea to talk about the Five Faces of Darkness, the miniseries, yeah. right after the, the movie. Uh, like, to us, that was like a second movie almost, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, you know, my fantasy has always been, now this doesn't exist in the real world, but I think it would be cool. It has always been that we one way, would, day would just make that like, uh, yeah, do it, do, you know, do it over again like like it is a second movie. I mean, you go back in, you fix, you know, we had a lot of, there were a lot of problems at the time, you know. I mean, it was just, you know, during this sort of downtime between, uh, you know, Sunbow and Marvel and, and uh it was it was kind of the end of the era, and we had all the problems. Because if you recall, when the when the '86 movie came out, you know it was not a success. You know, and people thought, "Oh, this is a disaster." You know, and and so the the budget got cut, and the production was bad, and all that. I would love to go back to Five Faces of Darkness, edit it into being like the length of the movie, get the animation right, do the in betweening, and have it be kind of a, a companion piece for the movie, which is what it was always supposed to be. Mm. Well, like lengthwise, it is like, you know, five, 22 minute 
you know, or 20 whatever ish minutes episode. So that's kind of actually longer than the movie. The movie was like, yeah, that's minutes. what I'm saying. You, you'd cut it down, you'd fix stuff, you'd put things in there, you know. And I mean, there were scenes because there was a lot of places where there was animation that didn't come in and like we didn't get scenes and we sort of had to, you know, fudge it and put voiceover and all that. It would just be, it'd be fun to just go back and do it right. Well, I know as fans, in 1986, we were super psyched, especially that the very beginning when you actually there are clips from the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. we are. <laughs> I just watched those those the 30 second clips on a loop because <laughs> we didn't have any other way to watch yeah. the movie. Oh, yet. Also, yeah, and the animation was uh, a little better. Yeah, it was a little better. Yeah, yeah no, that was, yeah that would be, be fun to do. Yeah, it was, it was great. With, sorry, what? I was going to say what was great was that you had the movie in August and then you had new episodes picking up where yep. it left off a month later because i was i i thought transformers was done there was no internet back then i was like this movie just kind of ends everyone's we've defeated decepticons i was like oh i don't know yeah they oh, we kind of transformers what's going on here and then no and that's what was kind of fun about it is that it uh uh you know it it kept going yeah no we knew we had third season we knew it was a short season and then, you know, pretty early on, we knew they weren't ordering anymore. So, uh, except to bring Optimus Prime back. So, you know, in, in, in that season too, though we didn't, I, I don't know, I don't know exactly what we knew at the time. You know, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of it's hindsight. But, uh, you know, though, it's, you know, it was, uh, you know, fun to see what, you know, what was going to happen and we had a whole new kind of toy and so you know with the very nature of the toys where they're kind of much more space oriented so mm -hmm. you know we knew we were going to have space adventures and yeah we had enough enough footage of uh the autobots rolling along the desert so we didn't do that anymore. <laughs> so it's time to go to funny planets and have them fight monsters and meet all the other alien races out there and you know that kind of stuff but it did seem the, that uh the the first two seasons sort of followed a formula and this just broke from that formula in, in terms of like yeah funny monsters and outer space stuff. yeah well it started to change in the, you know pretty much around the end of uh of season two you look at the last few episodes and you know because a lot of them were aware, aware that the movie was coming so we we're kind of prepping the movie so we knew we were doing that. And, and so, you know, you, you can see it's beginning to shift. You know, there's, there's season one that's pretty, you know, pretty much you're on Earth and you got Spike and you got, you know, uh, you know spark plug and all that. And by middle of season two, we, we just, that was kind of played, you know. I mean, we could put them in space and, you know, you know bring Spike back as an old guy and Daniel and all that. But mm -hmm. And and I have no idea how the decision was really made to to set the movie that long afterwards, but it kind of works because there's this kind of period in the middle would be fun to explore sometime. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was going to ask if that was if if you had had the opportunity to do that, explore the in between years, and maybe a comic or something at this point. Yeah, I mean the, the only the only thing about that, and, and you know, I mean it's it's this interesting little you know duel you have and kind of question yeah you know you know issue you have with these things is you could do that you know the only the only thing would be that you know it, it's it's kind of like the you know the star wars the second trilogy that really was the first trilogy the prequel trilogy mm -hmm. that when, when you know how everything comes out 
it's not that exciting unless right, yeah. you're you're simultaneously advancing the story into the future and filling some holes in between. And then you have to find that hook. You know, it's got Godfather 2 or something like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, you know, people like the story to move forward because they don't know what's going to happen. Mm. Um, you know, and yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation on what the next season would have been. But because, you know, what's, you know, after, after, you know, really season three, you know, Transformers always done by different people. And it was, you know, it's just a totally different thing. And it was different iterations. You know, you start having things like Headmasters and Beast mm -hmm. Wars and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the Five Faces of Darkness. I mean, what was cool about that for me was, it, I don't think there were any scenes in there that were ever in the movie. And then we, they didn't make it in the movie and we just, you know, stuck them in there. But uh, there were scenes, you know, there it, it was very much, you know, written at the same time. And it was very much, you know, kind of, you know, same flesh as the movie. And it was like, hey, let's really, you know, we have these quintessons. Let's really figure out who they are, you know, and and let's explore the world. And, you know, and we killed all these characters. And it's like, well, what if Starscream comes back as a ghost or Optimus mm -hmm. comes back as a zombie, which is a really bad idea. <laughs> and then, you know, so the whole thing with, with, uh, with you know, with Five Face of Darkness was you know, lay lay the you know the groundwork for yeah we're heading into a whole new place of Transformers, and as I said, part of that was just the you know the actual nature of the toys you know that a lot of them did not look like Earthbound you know that and the first few seasons they all looked like something that really existed on Earth, and by by season three's toys they you know they were I mean you know the you know, sweeps and Cyclonus would not fit in anywhere on earth. I mean, they're, you know, they're just mm -hmm. their own thing. And, you know, and even Rodimus would be pretty conspicuous. I mean, the idea of being in disguise really doesn't, <laughs> yeah, <yeah. laughs> doesn't work. But it was pretty cool. Cause yeah, you're introduced to all these new characters in the movie and then they're, you're still introducing new Skylinks and the Predacons and Trypticon and Metro Black and stuff like that. Um, so it was pretty, I thought it was cool. And then just a quick side note, Brad Garrett, the voice of Trypticon, according to IMDb, is that true? I had no idea. Brad Garrett. Wait, I don't know. I don't. Oh, I, okay. I don't remember. I mean, I still see okay. a lot of the voice actors now. We just did some uh, stop motion things for the re-release of the movie, and oh, like nice. in the screening I saw of it, you know, that we they had him and and we had like you know John Rashida and Greg Berger were there, uh, were there and, and nice. uh, you know, we'll get more of the guys back, you know, because I run into them at conventions and they all seem to be up for doing this stuff, you know, so. so uh, you were actually uh, at a convention in our neck of the woods recently. And we had which other, one? Was it in Boxborough? Oh, yeah, Boxborough, yes. yeah. That was a Saturday morning convention, yes. Yeah, how was, how <laughs> yeah. was that? Oh, it was great. I mean, you know, I, I mean, it was it was small, you know, I mean, I think people are still, you know, COVID yeah. affected and stuff like that. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, we just, you know, because it was, it sort of broadened out that and I, you know, also my daughter goes to college near there. So I went somewhere, oh, cool. you know, but, um, and, uh, but, you know, so what we did is, you know, and, and we dug in, it was different stuff because, you know, like Buzz was in, you know, Buzz Dixon, who was, you know, yeah. a Sunbow guy. We also worked together at Ruby Spears, and so they had a panel on Ruby Spears, which was kind of, oh. in a lot of ways, it was the you know the farm team that Sunbow came out of. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were talking about all the stuff we were doing back then, and then, uh, um, it, you know, we it, we just got you know a bunch of these you know these characters in there, and uh, 
And so it was fun. I mean, yeah, I don't know whether everybody else is fascinated by all this deep in reminiscing, but but we thought it was really great. (laughs) (laughs) We we probably would have been fascinated. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, we should have gone. But Barksboro is a bit of a even for even though we're all in Massachusetts, it's still kind of a hike. It's it's kind of out there, but yeah. No, and we yeah, I had no idea there was Foxboro and Boxboro. Yes, I always thought it was right next to each other. The name yeah, of that, it's, the, it's the Boxborough Patriots that play there. <laughs> the Patriots, yeah. yeah. They're probably better than the Patriots. But uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah, like the Quinnison thing too. Like we want to talk about that a little bit if you if you don't yeah, how much, how much of your, your script, how much was that from, you had that Secrets of Cybertron script. Is that sort of just, you took the basis well, I mean, that Secrets of Cybertron, you know, influenced it, for anybody that doesn't know, what it was was we got in the first draft of the script. And, and you know, I mean, Ron was just a warehouse of images and ideas and crazy, you know, stuff. But it was also, you know, the, and this has no reflection on Ron whatsoever. It's what every writer runs into. And that is your first draft. Everybody has their idea. Every producer, the director, the, you know, you know, the, the toy company, everybody else. And they all throw in their ideas and you try to write all of them. And that does not necessarily add up to a movie. You know, I mean, it adds up to a bunch of really cool ideas. And so Jay showed up, uh, Jay Bacall, who was creative director at Sunbow and Joe Bacall's son. But I mean, he, you know, just like at that point, he was a, he was just out of Harvard. And he's kind of a child prodigy. And, and so he showed up in my apartment and said, we got to do something with this. And we had like a week. And so, you know, we just, you know, we're, you know, looking at all this stuff and, yeah, okay, let's do this. Let's, you know, just make it, you know, because we knew we had this giant planet that, you know, transformed, you know, let's, you know, be Unicron. And so our idea was, well, the secret of Cybertron is that Cybertron itself transforms. And what the end of the movie is that you have to get the Autobot Matrix. And that's the real purpose of it. And you have to get it into the heart of Cybertron and transform it. And so you have this charge of the light brigade going in there where he basically wiped out the entire entire 85 product line, which Mm -hmm. would have... We're kind of glad we didn't do that. Uh, you know, we there's enough carnage in the movie, but yeah, they, that seemed like a real good idea somewhere in the spring of 1985 or whenever we were doing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and and we just loved the script. It was a, it was a lot of fun. We thought it it really you know it was your sort of perfect um, you know you know Joseph Campbell version of the Transformer movie. And uh, unfortunately, you know, Tom and Joe didn't share our enthusiasm for it. So, you know, <laughs> we had a couple of these t- testing meetings. But, uh, and, but nevertheless, it influenced everything that followed a lot. Because that was the moment when, you know, I came on to Transformers. I'd, I'd been story editing GI and producing G.I. Joe right before that. And they, you know, we were losing to a thing called uh, GoBots. And, uh, you know, our whole thing was to, you know, just give it some edge. And so, you know, we sort of ramped that up. And by the time we got to the movie, yeah, and that was the moment when I like fully felt fully immersed, didn't feel like I was, you know, hunting around in somebody else's, you know, been playing in somebody else's playground mm-hmm. and decided, hey, what should we do with this? You know, and if, if Secret of Cybertron, I've been trying to find a copy of the script of, and that's just one thing I didn't find. Uh-huh. Um, uh, if I have it, I have it on some like, you know, three and a half inch Mac disc from 1980, you know, whatever. And, you know, and someday I'll, I'll grave that. But, um, 
And, and so, because yeah, not, you know, there were probably only, you know, seven scripts made. It would have been like, you know, just for, you know, Jay and I and Joe and Tom and probably Roger Slifer and Doug Booth and uh, uh, Carol Weitzman would have had one, you know, it's, I mean, but so that's why it's rare. It was just, it was never in wide reviews. Nelson probably had one. Hmm. And I think Nelson did a version of the script too. Um, I know, and I don't know that I ever saw it. I mean, more heard about it than saw it. Hmm. So, when when you see these you know these versions on the internet of the, of the scripts, I, I never know what I'm looking at. I, you know, <laughs> I, I never know whether it's a real first draft or, and and plus the fact you know the whole thing was a massively collaborative deal. You know, I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. in the real world, you know, Joe and Tom and and you know Jay's name should have been on this all the scripts too, and Nelson. I mean, it was it was very much you know it was it was a very much team effort. I mean, the last. 20 drafts might have gone through my computer, but I mean, it was a lot of input. And it was just trying to harmonize all these different opinions. Wow. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, by the time we get to see it to five faces of darkness, now everybody else is off the state, off the field. Okay. You know, the, you know, the energy is now pretty much going to the GI Joe movie and what we're mm -hmm. going to do with season three and kind of damage control from the transformer movie. And I, you know, at that same moment I was, I was developing a show called visionaries and I think I was finishing mm -hmm. humanoids. And uh, if you remember those shows, those were Oh, we do. We, we, we were, were big fans. Yeah. yeah. yeah we were big fans. Uh, yeah. That's another podcast. Well, I think. I, I mean, the thing I found while I was searching through all my stuff is I found two humanoid episodes that never aired there for season oh. two that never happened. That was kind of fun. Um, yeah, I, mean, I was saying that you were posting a lot of that stuff on your Facebook yeah, page yeah, several months going, back, just, and so yeah. Well, because I was I, I was going through thirty five years of storage room, right? And then mean in the middle of it, we had you know that it turned out there was a foundation leak, and we had to redo oh. the storage room, and I had a lot more time <laughs> to go through this than I thought I was going to. It was actually just a great experience, and so I was just like, but they, you know, keep myself sane because I mean you're just going through. 35 years of boxes and like pretty much every object is keep or throw away because when we redid the storage you get rid of half of my storage space i mean we have the external storage too but um and and my wife was you know saying hey, yeah like this stuff i go in the dumpster and looked at in 35 years and i said no people really like it yeah you so, sold you auctioned off a lot of it right i auctioned it yeah. off my rule was because she didn't believe that any of it had any value that anything i made from it I got to put into future projects. In uh, other words, you know, you know, investing into stuff I'm doing now. And so she went for it because she thought, you know, we we weren't going to make anything, and it actually turned out to be quite lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I have my, I have my secret development fund now. <laughs> nice. So whose idea really? Because like in our minds, like this changes everything. It's like the origin of the Transformers and everything like that. The Quintessons created it. I don't know with all those drafts you maybe don't remember but whose idea like it's like okay this is it the quintessons are the well there was created. a story called i i don't i don't remember exactly where the idea of mm -hmm. you know the the creators were there was a story a store down the street from us in westwood called quintessence right that was a big idea <laughs> in the 80s you know the fifth thousands right? right and so we decided okay we got quintessons and uh, i mean i have no idea who came up with me you know, that's lost in 35 years of <laughs> Uh, it was the actual thing, but we it was great. They have five faces and they're all saying different things, but no matter what happens, you're guilty. And yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and we just picture them as like the laziest th things in the world. I mean, they had no body, you know, so I, I, maybe they weren't <laughs> lazy, but you know, 
So, uh, you know, they created all these things to do their work for them. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was the 80s, right? And so, yeah. So, and it was just kind of cool. You had these sort of hyper cerebral characters who were, you know, creating all this and they're, you know, they're a bunch of lunatics. And, you know, and, you know, of course you have to have the, their creations turn against them. So you have the Shark Decons and, you know, mm-hmm. all the Transformers. And, and it was kind of fun to just say, okay, let's, let's explore those guys for a while. Cause they're really our gateway to, you know, the much larger universe of Transformers. Because Cybertron never really led anywhere, and we knew there were other planets, you know, like Iacon and Char and stuff like that, you know, mm. out there. But it's like, well, let's go see them. And uh, and then what do you? I I can never remember, remember the name of what the uh, uh, Lithone, the planet that chowed down for. Oh yeah, by, yeah, yeah, uh, that was it. Yeah. By, uh, yeah, you know, and uh, uh, so it was just like, yeah, let's make it a space show because these things can survive in there perfectly well. Probably, if we'd had three seasons, then you had we well, brought Optimus back, and I would have loved to see a, a season where it was half about Optimus and you know and and Megatron and Galvar Galvatron and all that at that moment, and then the other half of it was about you know some kind of an odyssey. You know, it's like Rodimus, you know, doing an odyssey across space looking for you know lost Transformers or something. Yeah, and yeah. so we were trying to set it up to be whatever it wanted to be. Yeah, you know, but it, it was definitely of a very different nature than you know fighting on Earth over at Energon because hmm. we just kind of we had 130 episodes of that we just you know really yeah. we wow, need 131. Yeah. yeah, the thing that I thought was funny is that the Quintessons were afraid of Spike. Like they thought, oh, these humans. I don't know. We don't know what's up with these guys. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was like a total a total enigma to everybody. You yeah. know, he was like you know uh, you know because. Well, what you wanted is you wanted like that, you know, the least powerful and dangerous person in the whole story to be the one who, uh, the the one that was the key, right? You know? right. Yeah, he, so, that, that is the payoff. He does save right. the day at the end because he's yeah. not yeah. mechanical. Yeah. Because he's not mechanical, you know, and, and, you know, part of it was, you know, at that time I was, I was doing, you know, doing a lot of role-playing games and things. And. We, you know, we were trying to figure out where it was. We were doing these miniatures out in out in the yard up at the guy who created Dungeons the Dragons house, and uh, and we were trying to figure out, you know, how how far can Megatron shoot and how big's the blast and all that. But we concluded pretty quickly that that you know, Transformers really weren't programmed to shoot at humans, so humans were kind of invisible to them and mysterious to them. Hmm. Yeah, because they just didn't, you know, that wasn't their original thing. I think because if you did that, you don't have a, you know, you, you know. You don't have a fight, right? Yeah. If if they can just kill humans, they could do it in like one shot, and you know, and they you know, like you know, one spray and they killed everybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you know, got kind of explains how Spike survived all that time. Yeah. Well, and it, you know, so we, you know, they it probably. I, I just always figured that you know the the Quintessons, It was kind of like us having arachnophobia or something like that. I mean, we're not. You know, it's kind of comical <laughs> that humans are you know afraid of these tiny little spiders. Oh, you're talking it's, to one it's right not, here. It's not yeah. that comical if you think about it. <laughs> John is very afraid of spiders. So that's a good oh, analogy, yeah. though. I really like that. And it's, yeah, and I so like... you know, it's, and and you always want to give you know give. It's like Lord of the Rings or something. You want to have the hobbits, you know, be the most, you know, ultimately the most dangerous people in the whole universe because they're certainly the least equipped to do anything in a normal sense. Mm. Yeah. And we also get introduced to Marissa Fairborn in the uh, during the Five Faces of Darkness, who is 
I mean, we're, you're taking it, it's Flint. Kid. Yeah, it's Flint and Lady <laughs> J's daughter, you know, because okay. I mean, those are my, when I was doing G.I. Joe, those are my favorite right. characters. So I decided, yeah. well, it's now all these years later and they, they've had a kid and, you know, mm -hmm. they're, you know, settled back and, you know, in, uh, you know, Lady J's castle up in Scotland or wherever that castle oh, is. There you and, go. That's why uh, she's got a British accent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah. You know, she's probably raised that because remember, there's that one episode, Skeletons in the Closet. It was kind of the most, as far as Lovecrafty is. It was probably it would be almost a crossover with the humanoids. Um, oh. It wasn't, but it's a way to think. It was very Lovecrafty, and I decided, yeah, you know, they they'd have a daughter, and it would be, you know, it'd be uh, Marissa Fairborn, and you know, there she is, and and you know, because they never would allow us, and to this day, they're, they're you know, and probably for very good legal reasons, you can't do real crossovers, but they <laughs> they kind of existed in the same universe. I mean, Hector Ramirez showed up, you know, in both universes. So, you know, right, right. And there was that one episode with Cobra Commander that was never stated specifically that he was Cobra yes. Commander. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we were always trying to sneak stuff like that in because <laughs> it was just kind of irresistible because, you know, I mean, this in the same day, I could be working on both shows. So it just seemed kind of strange to me that there was some invisible line you couldn't cross, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'll, you know, it's just, it, it's just fun later on to notice that stuff even now. Yeah, definitely. Totally. I mean, I think as a kid, it kind of some of it went over my my head, but yeah, it's cool. It's still fine. Well, and that's yeah. but that's you know that's kind of what fan stuff ultimately is. You know, the great right. thing about fan stuff is that you know it it is your opportunity to do these things that uh, that you, you know it, you know kind of that were were invisible to the kids and you know and and you know as they should have been because they were you know you know I mean it, that wasn't what we were selling. Mm. I don't know. I liked I, I mean the fan base is pretty much both, right? I mean, we watched both shows. Yeah. So yeah. yes. <laughs> we pretty much watched everything Sunbow put out except maybe My Little Pony and Gem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those uh, are the two projects I, I never worked. I, I actually that's not true. I did one story premise for Gem. Hmm. And nobody had any interest in me working on My Little Pony, nor did I have any interest in it. <laughs> <laughs> that just didn't happen. Um yeah. you know, and uh but yeah, you know, we had those other the other kind of weird shows. You know, Doug did, did robotics, and then we had yeah, uh, robotics, muscle yeah, machines, and what were some of the other ones? There was there was there's some other funky one. It came up at the at the Boxborough Con, and I can't remember what the show was. or something I had nothing to do with. I'd forgotten all about. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, there's just it was an amazing amount of, of work and product. I mean, it's 65 episodes a year. Jeez, you know, yeah. so I mean, it was just hard to pay attention. And, you know, usually I'd be working on more than one show or I'd be, you know, like writing something like Muscle Machines or Inhumanoids or Visionaries while I'm working on Transformers. And so it was really hard to keep track of what was going on. And I sure wasn't out looking for, yeah, boy, I think I want to do My Little Pony. This <laughs> but but yes, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, well, that's that's the one thing. I mean, what's really funny about season three and parts of the movie and, and five faces of darkness in particular is if you look at what comics people have followed up on it's almost all that stuff i mean that was the tardis for the much you know bigger kind of darker versions of of transformers that would follow in other mediums even even the michael bay movies would reference it a lot because you know it's like of course you start out with the you know the origin story but after mm -hmm. that you're sitting somewhere around season three pretty quickly uh, it, because it, you know, it, it more big screen cinematic and, and certainly, you know, older and less kiddie. 
Well, one one yeah, of the things I had noticed yeah. was the constant mention of death in this miniseries. Characters are always <laughs> talking about death and dying. I was like, that's pretty <laughs> heavy for, you know, a, a cartoon at the time. Well, we had that one character, Dirge, right? You know, and the characters you'd be like, because if they're characters you didn't use very often, and Dirge, you didn't get a whole lot of episodes. And so I remember writing him, and he just has to refer to death in every sentence. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the whole thing, and, and and because all the guys have been killed in the movies, you know, it's sort of this after the war, after a war thing where it's like, well, what happened to him? And that's where you have mausoleums and ghosts and yeah. zombies and, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, it took a much, it took a much darker curve. And there was this period when everything was going dark, you know what I mean? You know, cause Frank, you know, Frank Miller, yeah. who, you know, I met during that period, you know, was, you know, doing the dark night and it was like, oh yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's do this stuff. Let's have a sweep, get shot in the face and then. Yeah, have <laughs> sweep, yeah, you can always shoot a sweep in the face and without consequence, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, and also I was working on Humanoids, which was about as, you know, it's as dark as yeah. cartoons went in those days. So that yeah. was influencing everything. Yeah, you I know? mean, it's, it's, it is interesting, like, but I think having so many characters were were gone but then like so you get like swindle suddenly getting like a lot of screen time you know just like sort of oh combaticon swindle just gets yeah if you didn't like have shine. enough of swindle you were you would get it now you know because yeah. uh you know yeah and there's I, no well, star scream or, or whatever so you know you get yeah well cool. and and i really i really felt the absence of i felt the absence of yeah i mean because i mean if you had to pick somebody who was unique really to the Sunbow project. It was probably Chris Lotta, mm. just simply because, you know, he was such a such a unique character and he was not, I mean, everybody else was, you know, I mean, you know, the voice guys were obviously just the A-list of of, you know, Hollywood voice actors. I mean, you know, every mm. one of them. And and, you know, and so every once in a while you bring in an alien who, you know, who's just <laughs> a totally different critter than anybody else. And it changes the dynamic in the room. And I think, you know, you know, because he was Cobra Commander and Starscream, you know, they, it also, you know, was, he was very prominent in our shows and a bunch of other characters. But Oh, yeah. Um, he, was, he was everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, you know, and he, you know, he, he was a wild guy and just he set a tone for the whole experience. It wasn't like any of the other, other guys. <laughs> One question that we've always, I think, wondered about was at, at the end of this Five Face of Darkness, you have this sort of blitzwing sort of like free agent guy and he was was he ever even seen again like what happened with Blitzwing? it seemed like he was gonna be uh, well i mean what we're starting to do you know and and we're all in the other thing that was happening happening around then and you know and it started in season two and happened you know with gi joe was a lot we were bringing all these comic book guys in from new york i mean you know yeah yeah you know first one was roger slifer probably and you know because steve gerber was a comic guy Mm -hmm. you know, comics guy, you know, Buzz was probably, he was really a kind of a pure animation guy. I mean, he's done a lot of comics, you know, since then and probably during that period, but you know, that his career was all animation. I was really more a game guy. I was the only game guy that, you know, that was there. I wasn't really comics, but you know, Marv, Marv Wolfman comes in and Len Wein and I said, Roger Slifer and, um, a bunch of them. Jerry Conway. I, I oh yeah, yeah, Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway, uh, and uh, and so you know that that influence really just flooded in, um, and uh, and so it, it, you know with comics they you know they tend to approach things differently. You have characters. I mean, I was interested in just sort of alignment charts 
and you know, I mean, we're, we were very binary. We were the, you know, you know, the Autobots are Decepticons. I mean, binary in the robot sense, not. <laughs> and and you know, uh, you know, you're either you know a good guy Autobot or a bad guy right. Decepticons. And, and and we started thinking about what if you have characters that are kind of like non-aligned or they go rogue or something happens to them and yeah and that you know that can you know so we're experimenting with that and and we're all you know because you know we're trying to put them on alignment charts like you know Dungeons and Dragons where you have lawful good and chaotic evil and you know and neutral and all that and we had sort of no neutrals and neutrals are always make things interesting so you know we started putting in more neutrals yeah it's it was it was cool I remember yeah there were episodes where Octane kind of like went his own way or whatever and uh yeah, because yeah, cool. you figure great. they're not all thinking the same thing all the time, you know, yeah. and, and they all get their agendas, they all have different things they want, and their world massively changed, mm. you know. And so, you know, what are they all going to do now? You're now you're in space, and like kind of, it's not, it's it's not, you know, the war's kind of over, but sort of, you know, it's kind of like you know the Wild West when mm. you know the you know Jesse James's guys were Quantrell's raiders you know and they were the kind of irregular troops but then they turned into bank robbers and it's like yeah what do these guys go do after after this yeah that's true that's yeah, what what do you do after a war you know you're a soldier all right i guess yeah gotta do something and some <laughs> of these guys just go home and they're farming and they go back to doing whatever they did you know in civilian life and other ones, you know, keep you know, going gold miners, and other ones, you know, explorers, and you know, they're they're trying to conquer little tiny planets all their own and stuff like that. So we just figured that's what it'd be like, you know, and in a weird, almost like a police or a counterterrorism show more than a uh, you know a bitch war show. One of the things too, I also was always curious about, and I don't know if what creative choice uh, or who's creative choice but like making galvatron kind of crazy obviously you want to separate him from megatron but he's like you know cr legit crazy they even take him to therapy in, in, in later yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah, i mean i, I kind of like that like i like crazy galvatron just punching well because what time. you what you lose with you know if you think about sort of our formula is when you with the bad guys you, you have two guys in control one of them was sane and the other one's crazy and in gi joe Cobra Commander was crazy, and and mm -hmm. and uh, you know Destro was pretty sane, and mm -hmm. in Transformers, you know Megatron's pretty sane, and and Starscream is crazy, right? And so now you don't have Starscream anymore, and you know frankly, the you know crazy leaders are you know kind of more fun. Oh yeah, you know, and, and obviously you know, I mean, he what? Well, you think about what's happened to the guy. He was Megatron. He gets turned into Galvatron. But somehow some other Megatron exists in the world and that's got to confuse you and give you identity problems. And, you know, you've, you've just lost a war and you got, you know, transmogrified into something and, you know, probably, you know, Unicron, who's now a head floating around the universe, is probably still <laughs> inside your head. And so you're not going to be sane, you know, because mm -hmm. my guess is Unicron was just trying to take him over because, I mean, he still had power. He may have appeared to be dead and have had his eyes shot out and everything else, but. I'm still unicron yeah. yeah you know and so so that's you know so it just seemed it seemed like a good thing to have galvatron you know be kind of crazy because you know because the rest of the decepticons it's the whole thing about you know when they're fighting over the energon scraps and stuff like that i mean you know the rest of them have very practical problems I mean, they're running out of energy mm. and you got you know galvatron is still thinks he's gonna you know take over the universe and and might just pull it off you never know one of the things I liked about 
how you wrote Galvatron in this. He was crazy, but kind of sane at the same time. He had a plan, and it as the season goes on, he gets more like a lunatic. But he was he was like a fairly legitimate threat, and I and not like a joke. And that uh, that that's yeah, well, what I liked I mean, about this one. Well, it's, it's what people later would do with the Joker. You know what I mean? I mean, mm. you know, when the Joker started out he, in Batman, he was really crazy. Yeah, by the time you get to the Dark Knight movie, he's, you know, you know, he's saying, do I look like a guy with a plan? Well, when <laughs> the first thing you do is this really elaborate plan, you know, mm. for the for the robbery and all that, you realize, yeah, he's very much a guy with a plan. And mm. so you want to, you, you always want to surf, but you know, because somebody's just crazy, you know, just gets very uninteresting fast because they're crazy and you can't predict them. And, you know, somebody's totally sane gets boring. But when you got somebody who you don't know which side of them you're seeing. Yeah, that's right, that's yeah. one the whole thing that's you know that was going on all the way through this is you know that you know everything had multiple facets to it. Yeah, it's great. It was much better than just you know whatever good guy, good guy, bad guy, like you said. I always was a fan of Cyclonus too, but now looking back, I'm like he was kind of a kiss ass that guy. Well, was... that you, you flipped you flipped the the formula yeah. and you had the insane leader and the and the yeah and right. the insane second in command from the way it was with Megatron and Starscream. Uh, yeah, who yeah. totally. Who totally considered him as the second himself, the second banana. You know, yeah, I never got right. the feeling Cyclonus was particularly ambitious. You know, he was happy <laughs> just being Cyclonus because I mean he had all his problems. You know, you know too. Remember, because the, <laughs> the the animation error in in the uh, in the movie where there are two Cyclonuses. Oh, yeah. And one of the things we do in the uh, you got to see these uh, stop motion you know videos we did when you get a chance. Because okay. what we're doing is trying to resolve that. I mean, who was it? Was that bombshell or was that, you know, and, right, you know, right. and, you know, I mean, you know, which one's which and what happened to the other one? And, you know, the point is Cyclonus is not. And so they're probably, you know, you know, he, he probably has the rest of leaders underneath them. And, you know, Cyclonus has lots of problems. <laughs> so it's, it's just easier to be the kind of the straight, you know, you know, follower guy. Because, yeah, you, it's like Starscream was always trying to take over and get rid of Megatron. And then you get Cyclonus is like, hey, hail Galvatron. All right. Yeah. Even though you punch me every day, I'm. Oh, yeah. I'm I would you. quit my job if I was getting knocked around <laughs> like that. Well, because yeah, you had to have somebody who was for that was still following this guy. You know that what I mean? Because, right. I mean, yeah, nobody's trusting the, the Constructicons or the Insecticons <laughs> or, you know, anybody else, you know. And so. Uh, you know, part of that is too is is being a little bit crazy. Also, you know, keeps people from being as treacherous as they would be. Yeah, <laughs> they're afraid. Of him. I mean, because the question with with you know with Starscream was always why does Megatron put up with this guy? You know, <laughs> right, yeah. and uh, I was doing a a graphic novel series. This was IDW's continuity. I was doing it with Chris Metzen and Olivia Romandelli, and. Uh, uh, you know, we were talking about that because the original backstory on, on Starscream was he was a medic. Like, that's what he originally was. Mm. And so my theory always was that there was something wrong with Galvatron and only Starscream could fix it. So we had to keep this guy around, <laughs> you know, even though, you know, and Starscream was always leveraging him. Because, I mean, you know, we, I mean, would you have somebody like Starscream around all the time? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. Get rid of him. Yeah, so that was my theory on it. I also want to talk a little bit. So in the movie, it's there's Autobot City, but then like, was that, when did the Metroplex like toy or did, did that like, is that why you're like, okay, it's not just I can't Autobot remember City, when, when Metroplex came out. I, I, I can't remember. 
be honest with you. I just, I, I, I don't remember. I mean, it just suddenly appeared. And that was our life. I mean, our life always was that, you know, we'd have, you know, toy lines get discontinued and recontinued and, you know, and mm. we'd get a fax in those, you know, before the internet, right? I mean, we had a bulletin right. board system, which was kind of a dress rehearsal for the internet, but, but we, from, from Hasbro and Sunbow, we'd just get a fax and it would say, you know, we're now discontinuing, you know, ashtray and, and, you know, inserting, you know, dipstick and play out okay. Yeah. You know, and, and you're uh, like, you can insert dipstick. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I mean, you just, it, I mean, the first thing you try to do is if you had a scene with ashtray and you try to turn it into dipstick, but not all characters overlap that mm. easily, you know, but, you know, and, and, you know, they weren't, they weren't rigorous about it, you know, but I mean, the, you know, these were, this was a toy company. But the, the, the funny thing that happened, and it's a good thing and a bad thing, but at a certain point, I mean, what we thought, you know, like, I mean, the thinking behind Killing Optimus and stuff like that was, you know, we, we got to come out with the the 86 line or the 87 line or, what, you know, whatever it was. And, you know, they, they sold as many Optimuses as they're going to sell. That's what they thought at the time. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew that you could sell 50 different iterations of Optimus, you know, you know, it just... And and so you you come out with constant new characters. We thought of it like sports teams, you know, where you have okay, you know, New England Patriots, real different profile, you know, three years ago than they have now. You know what I mean? You know, the team changes, people leave, people come back, you know, and uh uh you know, we thought of it like that. So you just keep cycling people in and 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 it would go on forever. But what happens with franchises is you do eventually people settle on their favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Now that having been said, you know, when I'm at conventions, you know, signing stuff, you know, people come up with their DVDs and send the VHSs and stuff. And I'll sign them. I always ask them, who's your favorite character? And it's never what you think. In other words, mm-hmm. pretty much everybody's favorite character is the first one they were bought by their parents. You know, right. and and because I mean, you would have thought it would have been all Optimus, and it's not. You know, everybody sort of has their their favorite, or it's just some character they particularly liked, or someone that reminded themselves. But I mean, it's a much wider distribution. Like you guys, where who are your favorite characters? Uh, Ashtray is my favorite character. <laughs> I, Ashtray. Well, wait until you see, wait until you see dumpster fire and train wreck. There are new ones coming up. But that Ashtray, like, yeah, he could really disguise himself. And then, I actually was a big jazz guy. I thought jazz was really. Yeah. Good. I don't know. I like. I was always something for like the second in command. You know, he yeah. was like right under Upper's Prime. Like right. I don't know. I say I guess I guess Prowl would have been one of my favorites and he was my first purchase uh, as go. a Transformers. Yeah. Uh, there you go. It is it. You know, yeah. you bonded with Prowl. And and I mean it is, and it then, is very and then you hard. Tore my to... heart out. <laughs> yeah, well, he got uh, discontinued. Uh, once again, you got to see these stop motions. There's a they, one of them is about uh I could talk about them now cuz they've been, you know, premiered, but um yeah, one of them is where Jazz, you know, reads the first draft of the script. It's like it's like a blooper reel, and <laughs> and finds out he's being killed in the movie, and he's really bummed out about it. And the same like, you know, yeah, so Starscream, so is Optimus. I mean, you know, it's you know, we got a new season. You've been discontinued, and so he has to uh, try to talk his way back into <laughs> not being discontinued. Yeah, I, that is funny though. It's true. I guess yeah, the first toy that you were that you had was the first transformers so it was probably the one that you that was the pattern uh where were we we were oh. talking about dipstick oh no we were just talking about yeah. that's the first one the first one you got is yeah. the one that you know that uh, that's the biggest pattern i found 
you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, whether it was like, you know, one of the little ones, you know, your mother bought you and, you know, like you're at the supermarket and they just give you this thing, keep you busy for a while while you're in the store or yeah. it's the big elaborate Christmas one you get, you know, it's just interesting. Well, then that was the thing, like, I never got the bigger ones, you know what I mean? Like, oh, Omega Supreme, that's too much money for my parents. But yeah. as fans of, at least John and I are fans of like Japanese monster movies and stuff, I feel like the Metroplex Triptychon thing was always pretty fun. To yeah, yeah, yeah. I do big battle. Big well, dinosaur. Yeah, big well, what's funny is, uh, one thing Bob Proofus, who just passed away a few days ago, it's too bad. Oh, he was oh. the head of Voice Toys at the time at Hasbro. Mm-hmm. Is he was telling me that the interesting thing is that that the big ones were usually, you know, when uh, poor people would buy, it was not like rich people went out and bought their kids the expensive ones. They were usually, they didn't want to spoil their kids. So they got to like, buy like the mid-range. And yeah, mm-hmm. his parents would feel like they hadn't given their kids enough. They're out buying the big stuff. There's your, your weird little... Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Inside, yeah. But yeah, we I, I like those. I don't know. I just because I was always, you know, we were big Godzilla fans. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah you want the big monsters and all that. And yeah. It was like, you know, and to tell you the truth, I didn't really get the Dinobots at first. You know, it's like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like these are but three Stooges, and they're like stupid characters. <laughs> but I realized that everybody else did, and and then sometimes you find a writer that has passion for him. Like Don Galoot just loved the Dinobots. So it's like, okay, right. He he's a dinosaur guy. Yeah. Anyway. So. Yeah. And and the actors are really fun. I mean, Greg Berger is really fun to work with. So I, I finally, you know, got over it and learned to love Grimlock. But you know, it's, uh... that'll be the name of your next book. I finally got over it and learned yeah, to learn love Grimlock. To love, yeah. <laughs> to love Grimlock. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because Grimlock did change. I feel like in this, right around this time with the third season, or he became more of like, yeah, like a goofy kind of like. Yeah, the, the first comic episodes, yeah, you yeah, saw yeah it, those guys were comic relief, and they're so big and scary, and they played really nicely off a cup, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, and you know, as so yeah, I mean, you know, the, I mean, in, in my mind, they you know they found their home. You know, I I found the the group that they go with. Yeah, I mean, and then I told my wife that the voice of Grimlock was also the voice of Odie in the. Yes. <laughs> oh, those guys have done a lot. You just yeah. look at any of the IMDb pages for any of those guys. And it's amazing. I mean, they, they've had, they just have had amazing careers and they're still working. And you know, it's a yeah. thing about voice actors that I didn't know until, uh, you know, it was explained to me is their voices don't change. Okay. In other words, if they keep, you know, they keep their voices in tune they, they don't, you don't hear something like this. Uh-huh. You know, I, I mean, it, you know, that, that's just one of the really, uh, the really uh, cool things about it. Yeah, and they can you know, work. It, yeah. 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 You know, and so, and, and so all of them were in there, you know, we were doing this just a month ago, two months ago, we were doing the stuff for the stop motion. And sure enough, they're, they're doing, you know, John Machida's in there. And I always forget that they're also really good actors. And and so they were just ad living stuff. I just I just you know write basically what. The, but how do you write for Blur? It'd be like a page long writing all the <laughs> uh, all the stuff. And so I just wrote kind of my sense of what he ought to say. And next thing I knew, John Machine had ad libbed like stuff that was better than what I'd written. You know, just in the uh, yeah, you know, in the you know you know into the thing. I mean, it, you know, and that's that's the other you know sort of hidden element is just. You know, how talented they are. And a lot of times when you're writing a script, you're you're moving all these characters around, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I saw Peter Cullen at a Boston Comic Con a couple of years ago, and he sounds exactly the same. You know, and it's just crazy. Oh, yeah, uh, June Foray that did the, all the women's voices on the Looney Tunes. Like she was still voice acting into her almost to to when she died. Yes. Crazy. Oh yeah, That's no. Crazy. I mean, all these guys, you know, can still, you know, still do it. Uh, you know, uh, you know. Oh, oh, it was Michael Bell that was that was demonstrating to me how how the voices don't change because he was saying something mm -hmm. called up and they were just kind of timidly asking, you know, "Can you still do, you know, this character?" Yeah, yeah, I'll try, you know. <laughs> voice. And then you find out his voice hasn't changed at all. You know, wow. and that was the that was one of the great things about. It. But it, it's fun yeah. just keeping up with these guys. Except for Casey Kasem, I guess, right? He was. Oh, well, I guess he's not <laughs> We don't need to get into. We, yeah, we, already, get into, we talked about that last time. So. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that last time. I guess really quick, uh, speaking of him though, I was a little bummed to see the Ark get destroyed in this uh, in this five face of darkness. The Triptychon just comes along and smashes it. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just kind of dead. I I, I realized <laughs> what kind of a sacred object it was. It's called the Ark. I should have figured it out. But anyway, <laughs> right. you know. Yeah. Uh, you know I, I, you know, they probably wouldn't have done that, but like, you know, you just also too, I guess, you know, the, the, and you know, season three, we were just getting reckless, you know, we sort of, you know, in, in the sense that we were used to destroying stuff and we were, you know, and we knew we were changing things. And so, you, you know, you had to, you know, topple some of the old stuff to bring in the new. Yeah, no, it's cool. It adds stakes. It makes, you know. Like yeah. And again, that's still why this felt like a second movie, just not animated as well yeah yeah no, i'm telling you at some point i would love to have another shot at that and you didn't get it really right because there was just it was just so flawed i mean where the movie like you know mm -hmm. everything was gone over 50 times and there are 900 iterations of the storyboard and all that you know five faces just got you know it's just so so production challenged mm -hmm. well if there's ever like a Kickstarter or something to reanimate the Five Face of Darkness. We'll donate. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll call you as soon as, as, soon as <laughs> <laughs> we'll be in on that. Uh, it, as long as we can have voice cameos as Dipstick and Ashtray. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dipstick yeah. and Ashtray, yeah, and Nozzle. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I assume Ashtray is a kind of a one of the mini guys, but yeah, yeah, you see yeah. the mini guy, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. you know. Yeah, but I mean, it would be cool. I mean, it is like a, like we said, for us, it was like a second movie and it was a chance to see a few little clips like here and there. It was, I don't know. It was well, cool. one of those things people yeah. discover, you know what I mean? Because I think it was really shocking when it came out. Because imagine if you hadn't seen the movie. Yeah, I, I actually did want to ask about that, how, how you approached going about this. And we just assumed that you'd seen the movie. You know, I mean, we just, right. we just approached it as you've seen the movie or one of your friends has and they'll explain it to you. Mm. I mean, that was a weird thing about it, the, the you know, Transformer movie, when you think about it. You know, compare that to any sort of reboot or how, how it would normally be approached by a studio now. The thing that was interesting about it was it didn't, it didn't spend a lot of time introducing you to the concept of what a Transformer was or anything mm. else. It just mm. went in there assuming you knew. And which is it, probably why it was so great for fans and had to be utterly incomprehensible. <laughs> right, yeah. Anyone who was not. Yeah, yeah. If you were not, you know, in on the joke, you, you, you had no idea what you're looking at. Even some poor parent going in there and, you know, going, what? Yeah, my parents probably had no idea. And, yeah. Man, I, yeah, I dragged them. I dragged any adult you, you, I, I knew. You dragged them in there and that's, yeah. you know, that's uh, permanent parent cred, you know. And, <laughs> 
Okay, it's true. Yeah. I did, it's, I did it's, a lot it's, of clothes it's shopping. Yeah, you by definition have good parents. You know that's. Uh, well, that's that's true. That's true. And then they all love the oh shit line. So. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, which of course <laughs> everybody knows is put in there. Be, that would that never existed to the best of my knowledge in any version of the script. Mm. That was uh, you know picked up later on because the distributors were worried about coming out of the G movie that they felt that mm. would be toxic. So they decided, hey, let's put an obscenity in there. And so, you know, and, and so, you know, we'll for sure get a PG-13 rating and we won't be one of these, you know, being the G movie ghetto, you know, yeah. so that's what yeah. that was for. Well, we chuckled as well. We don't want to take up any more of your time, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I can always come back. I ought to get back to work and do my real job, but and whenever <laughs> before, I'll come back. We'll, we'll, I we'll, think I would love to hear about like the inhumanoids visionaries kind of oh, stuff yeah. too that, that, no, that'd be great. Are, that's yeah. stuff you don't know as much about you don't hear as much about those no yeah, no no i mean what's funny about about both those shows is they both have incredibly hardcore fan bases it, you know I, I mean there's a there's like a pub in scotland that these screens visionaries all day <laughs> oh, like, you know, like a steam pub somewhere that i gotta go find yeah, uh seriously that sounds but awesome. uh uh, I mean, Visionaries has fanatic followers, as does Inhumanoids, but there were things you had to catch. I mean, Visionaries, you know, the, the product line was canceled before the show aired. And the, uh, you know, Inhumanoids, Inhumanoids was one of those things that, you know, they were so used to having everything be a phenomenon that when, you know, they only did $80 million in Viz, oh, that's not even worth doing. I mean, any toy company <laughs> right. build that $80 million product line now. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of just fate, you know, you know, laws changed and the times changed, the world changed. And I think in the case of Inhumanoids, and to some extent with Visionaries, if we're honest about it, the toys themselves were just kind of crap. You know, I don't know that anybody was that excited about the holograms inside the, you know, the Visionaries <laughs> and the, the Inhumanoid toys. They just, what their idea was that the monsters were both of, well, well, we'll save this for the Inhumanoid episode. Yes. Yeah, yes. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't okay. wait for that. All right, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, let's do it, guys. Yeah, it was great to talk to you again. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. Great talking to you. You can insert dipstick.